0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of 200 and Counting. I'm your host Tia, aka Tortilla Chips. You know what it is. So I wanted to start this episode with like a little caveat because it's no secret that these episodes are not coming out as frequently as they were first advertised. You know, originally I was like every two weeks and then now That just has not happened. But I just wanted to say that, you know, I put a lot of work into these, writing all these scripts, doing all this research, making sure that it's funny, making sure that everything is right, finding all these sound bites. And then I edit it myself. So it's a whole process. And I would rather my content be quality than force myself to churn out a bunch of stuff just to have a bunch of episodes out. So for those of you who have been listening and stuck with me and listened to every episode, I really genuinely appreciate you. Especially because looking at my numbers, people go back and listen to the episodes, which makes me feel really great. When people message me and they're like, Oh, I love your podcast. I listen to whatever episode, I really truly appreciate it. So I want you all to know I'm going to be trying towards the end of the year and early next year to do more episodes, which means some will probably be shorter. But I also like putting the time in and having them be long. So just know I'm experimenting with some different with some different styles, you know, with some different things, no matter what I do. I want my episodes to be quality and this podcast is not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm not leaving it. I'm not letting it go. It's funny. I actually read a New York Times article recently. Now I'm just rambling. I read a New York Times article recently about how like no one can get big off podcasts anymore. And I was like, well, damn, but we doing it anyway. So period. Anyway, this episode's documentary is on the documentary, The 7-5, which I'm throwing it back. Going back to my roots, I watched this documentary for the first time um, senior year of college. And I legit remember sitting on my bed in college in my room being like, oh, my God, this documentary is crazy. And this was right after I had spent my first summer in New York, too. So I was really like, oh, yes. So The 75 is a documentary set in the 80s in Brooklyn, New York, in the 75th precinct, which is like East New York area. So if you're not living in New York or familiar with the area, if you just look up a map, East New York, it's in Brooklyn and it's just, it's over East. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. It's to the East side. And It tells the story of this police precinct, which was super corrupt, super corrupt. And mind you, the 1980s was the middle of the crack epidemic in the United States. And so for context, the crack epidemic was a period of time in which someone the CIA put crack cocaine into black neighborhoods. And I don't, and I'm not making that up. Like there's a long history of the CIA being linked to crack cocaine in black neighborhoods. Look it up. I'll do an episode on docs about that too, but that's a whole other issue. Anyway, this was in the middle of the crack epidemic, which was sweeping through inner cities. So during this time, there were like a tons of crimes, not just in New York city, but in other cities too. But New York obviously has millions of people in it. So that just made it worse. There was a cop in the NYPD at the time, in the 75th precinct, named Michael Dowd. Mike, just crazy. Michael Dowd was a crook who ended up wearing a cop's uniform. He was a criminal. Once in a generation, corrupt cops. And I think what's really, really interesting is that they spend so much time talking about the police culture of the NYPD, specifically in that precinct. And they have all these people talking about how if you're a cop, you never rat out your fellow cops. If you're a cop, you're a cop. You're like on that side. If a cop says the sky's green, well, the sky must be green. Like they really, really, really hone in on this idea of like cops only believe one another. Da, 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 da. They start with like clips from a deposition of, I, I don't know if deposition is the word. It's like some kind of like hearing with Michael Dowd and he's on trial. And he's talking about when, you know, when they were going through ethics training in the police academy and how the teacher said to them, they had someone from the department of internal, affairs come in and be like, da, 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 don't do this, that, and the third. That person left and the instructor was like, okay, so you can do that or you can do this. You can go that way or you can go this way. Uh You want to be a successful cop, you don't go that way. And this is the academy. I I didn't even step on the street yet and I'm being told, you know, side in this direction with whatever you got to do. Cover your ass. That is like the theme of the whole documentary because Michael Dowd was an NYPD officer who took advantage of that to the fullest. Being good is a cop that would never give up another cop. A cop that if uh, he witnesses something go down, he's be- he's 100% behind anything a cop does, no matter what it is. Basically what Michael Dowd was doing was bending the system and making money off being a cop. He was either stealing money from people. He told some story about how he pulled over this kid who was uh, of color, opened his trunk, whatever this kid had like, I don't know, $10,000, dollars 10000 And he said something to him like, okay, I'll let you go if you buy me a lobster dinner. And so the kid had to give him a few hundred dollars before he could drive off. You know, getting people on things like that, going into people's homes when people were saying that there have been burglaries or whatever, going in, like stealing whatever he could find. One time a woman called and said her husband was beating her. They go to this house where the husband is. They find like a ton of weed and a ton of cash. So they take the cash and they tell the guy, it's your lucky day. And they let him They let him, you know, go about his day. What I found really, really disturbing about stuff like this was that like, this man did not care at all about the lives of the people in the communities. Like as far as this documentary is concerned, it was like bad cop and drug dealers he was stealing the money from. Never mind the people whose lives were affected, the regular people whose lives were affected by like the violence and the drug use and the lack of safety and like, he's not even doing his damn job. They got people out here dying in the streets, getting robbed every damn day. And he's just focused on making money. You saw an opportunity, you took and made money. So Mike starts talking about money day and night. There's money all over this precinct. How much money could be grabbed and be in all pockets. They interview a bunch of cops who worked with him and he had a whole reputation as being a dirty cop. Everyone knew this. He was always doing things that were a little bit sus. He had his little crew of people, his little gang or whatever. They also mentioned that in the 77th precinct, which was nearby, a cop had been, they'd like busted a few cops for breaking into homes and they were just like going to the fire department, borrowing ladders, like breaking into homes, smashing windows and leaving. Michael Dowd took a gamble, as they say, which was that he assumed that NYPD did not want another scandal. So he just kept doing what he was doing because he was like, well, like, what are the chances they're going to catch me too? Which like, what is wrong with you? I, the privilege, I just, my God. So here this man is doing all sorts of messed up stuff and he ends up getting a partner, Kenny. This guy at first is so anti doing anything wrong, which was like very cute. He was like, no, I don't want to do that. All his friends were like, do not be his partner. He's bad news. He's trouble. Da-da-da-da. And Kenny was like, over time was like, oh, okay, he seems like a good guy, whatever. Now, mind you, Michael Dowd's partner before Kenny 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 was this guy who they used to like steal money together, but his partner ended up quitting because he was like, I don't know, they're arresting people in the other precinct. I don't want to, I don't want to even mess with that. So eventually Michael Dowd convinces Kenny to start doing some messed up stuff. At first, they're just kind of like stealing money from people, whatever, like getting a little rush. It's like, oh God. And then of course this man steps the shit up and he's like, you know what we're going to do? we're gonna start working with some gang members, okay? And the way he does it is he goes to one of those car shops where you can like pimp my ride, like that type of shit. He goes to one of those guys and is like, I know you work with drug dealers, so put me in contact with one of them. And he ends up meeting up with this Dominican gang leader. Adam Diaz, who ran the Diaz organization at the time. What does that man do? He says, guess what? I can offer you protection. I'll give you inside information about who is raiding you when. I will let you know. I will give you a warning before anything bad happens. And I will also move coke for you if I can get a cut of the money, which is like the shit escalated so quickly. It escalated so quickly. It went from like, oh, I'm going to steal money from people, whatever. Still bad, but you know, it went from that to like, okay, I actually want to be a drug dealer. I want to traffic drugs with you. Never mind the fact, as I said, that there are people dying from that. Like, the man did not care. He wanted his money. Mike came up with was $8,000 a week, and we will offer our services to this Dominicans drug gang. Michael Dow was a very loyal part of my crew. Between me and him was like more like a brotherhood thing going on. Like, I could talk to him like I'm talking to one of my first cousins. Ben would call us on a Tuesday and say, your money's here. And it went like clockwork. They interview him in the documentary and he's like fucking foaming at the mouth. Like, oh yeah. And then I like, (laughs) like he stands up at some points in the interview because he's getting so heated and excited about whatever sick story he's telling. And I was like, you are, that is, ugh. People like that should not be cops at all. Like period. If you're getting, if you're getting off on the idea of, trafficking drugs and doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing and not on the idea of helping others and you know being empathetic then that is not the job for you sir also he also started getting a, having a coke addiction so you know that like bro if you're going to if you're going to become a drug trafficker at least know that you can't be out here doing the damn drugs okay do you want to get caught by the NYPD or not. Kenny is kind of like laying low. He told his wife, Michael Dowd. I don't know. They don't mention his wife or his family or kids at all. Like they mentioned that they got both were married. They mentioned that they both had kids, but he does not refer to them other than outside of the context of being like, we got married and I had a kid. They, he does not talk about them. For all we know, I don't know how his family was affected by his actions. I would love to know because he sounds like an ass, but they, they don't get into it for some reason. They talk about how he bought a little red Corvette. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to ball out. He wanted to show everybody what it is that he's doing. But that ended up being his downfall. We're making $600 a week. You can't afford a brand new Corvette. Michael, don't ever, ever bring that car to the precinct. Don't drive this fuck. Called call it to the precinct. The next day he brought that car to the precinct. So Michael Dowd, living it up. Breaking the law, loving it. Kenny is over here, you know, also breaking the law, but he's more like, okay, let's lay low, let's want everybody to know, you know. Michael Dowd, coke addiction, going off the deep end, actually talking to gang leaders. And before he even gets involved with the Diaz organization, he's involved with another gang leader who ends up putting a hit out on him. And there's like all this drama and he just gets too caught up. You know, he's too mixy. That's his problem. Michael Dowd's problem, besides being a corrupt cop, is he's too damn mixy. While the cops are out here committing crimes, thinking that they just run the world and the NYPD is on the top of it all. The FBI and the DEA are investigating the Diaz organization and they are getting like, real. they are getting in it, Okay. And they had spent years like recording conversations, doing all of this stuff, which obviously Michael Dowd does not realize till the end. But I also think it's interesting that he didn't think that he would get caught. Like clearly the man was just operating as if he didn't know that people spy on drug organizations all the time, especially at the height of like the war on drugs. He really thought he was not going to get caught. Really? The FBI was investigating them. And so eventually someone is like, oh yeah, you know, they're actually working with a cop. And they're like, working with a cop? What? And they said, usually they don't even believe stuff like that, but their source was so reliable. They were like, what do you mean? What cop? And they were like, I don't know. They call him Mike the cop and he drives a little red Corvette. And it's like, okay, well, whose dumbass idea was that? Michael Dowd. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Now, if he'd just driven a normal car, He honestly would not have been able to be so damn recognizable, but he was not laying low. At this point, he's like an addict. He can't even like show up for work without like fallen all over the place he says the day that they came to arrest him they were like okay we're gonna give you a drug test and he had to go into the room and change into his normal clothes and he had a bag of coke in his pocket and he was like "Welp." (laughs) and the way he tells these stories there's just no he doesn't it doesn't seem like he regrets it at all it seems like he's just someone telling a crazy story it almost seems like he's an actor playing this man because he has no real emotion attached to the things he did he does not seem remorseful He doesn't seem like, oh, that was probably a bad idea. He's just like, yeah, this crazy thing happens. You don't think you're going to get caught, but then you do. Ah, well, you know, anyway. And it's like, what's wrong with you, sir? What's wrong with you? He ended up spending, I think, 15 years in prison. So they were both in trouble. But it was obvious that Michael Dowd was the ringleader in Kenny. Kenny should not have been doing what he was doing either. Kenny gets let off easy because he wasn't the one, you know, orchestrating all of it. But Kenny, you also should have known you can't be stealing money from people honey. And they were pulling off big hits. He would like call friends and be like, come go into the house and be a fake police officer and like take up like tens and twenties of thousands of dollars of cash from these homes. Like it was wild. After Michael Dowd and Kenny get arrested, they're, you know, they're really in the shit. And Kenny is like, Oh God, what do I do? So Michael comes up with this idea where He did not go into the details of this at all. And this is the one thing that bothered me was that characters would like mention things that were really not explained. And Michael Dowd is like, I had a Colombian man living in my house and he told me blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? Who? And he's just like, yeah, I had a Colombian man living in my house and he told me that we should go kidnap the wife of a uh, gang leaders. Yeah, of a drug dealer. Kidnap the wife of somebody and then hand her over to a Colombian gang and for money or or something crazy like that. And Michael was like, well, what do we have to lose? Like, we're already going to go to prison. And I was like, oh, okay, you're a psychopath. Like we knew this, but like now we really know. Because how is your natural reaction to you being in trouble? I want to get in more trouble. I may as well. Like, what's wrong with you? Kenny was like, I can't do this. And he just went to the cops straight up. He was like, this is what's happening. He's trying to do this nonsense. I don't know what to do. He's wearing a wire. They end up going to the house. He was going to pose as a flower delivery man and force his way in. They end up going to the house and then they turn on the scanner and they can hear like suspicious car on whatever street. And then Michael Dowd gets freaked out and then he drives away and he's like, what was that? And then it's like a whole thing. And then the cops just end up going to arrest him and Kenny snitches on him. But I mean, listen, listen, cops shouldn't have been stealing from people okay, they should have been doing their damn jobs and protecting and serving. But what was he doing? Not that. So then after he was arrested, there was this whole commission. They had to investigate police corruption within the NYPD. And then a ton of other people got arrested and they were like, oh my gosh, but did they realize, oh, maybe there's a problem with this system. Maybe we foster an unhealthy culture that targets minorities and puts, you know, people in positions of power that shouldn't be. Hmm. Did they think about that? No, they did not. They were just like, all right, let's arrest these cops. And then, uh, keep pushing, you know, mind your business, fix up New York, do whatever. Mm. It was a crazy story. It was a crazy story, especially given the fact that this stuff happens in real life all the time. All the time. Look it up. Okay. If you're not from the U S look it up. It happens all the time. So it was crazy to hear about something on such a large scale in New York and the fact that it happened in the eighties because the eighties already had so much in terms of law enforcement and drugs. And so it's really interesting to see a documentary talking about the different aspects of New York. I love watching any documentary. That's like old time. New York and seeing New York in black and white or that like grainy color. I'm like, oh, yes, 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 yes. I love history. OK, now the documentary was, I thought, excellent. But there were a few things that didn't really make much sense to me or felt weird first of all like three-fourths of the way in they started adding in these weird like black and white shots of people with no real theme or like aesthetic to like there was just no look it was like okay a re- really dramatic black and white photo of someone or shot like zooming in and out no explanation whatsoever and also kind of like when Michael Dowd says he has a Colombian man living in his house there were certain things that characters not characters that people would say in their interviews and they were never elaborated on like like it was just kind of like, oh yeah, and then I did this thing. And then I was like, no, I'm gonna need you to break it down because you guys were doing so much. I need you to break it down. Like I need to know, you know? Even though the documentary is about Michael Dowd and it's about the NYPD and specific to a certain event, I think that more could have been done to talk about the people whose lives were impacted. Families, people who were witnessing these things, people who had to live in these neighborhoods even after they found these corrupt police officers. How often does it still happen today? You know, what happened after that? the cycle probably continued. And there were still people who had to deal with the consequences of this and who were living in these locations. And so the documentary didn't really do a good job of talking about anyone else or the context around them or the world around them. It was just here are these cops. Here are the people they're interacting with. Like, that's it. Look how weird and wrong it is. It wasn't like, here, here's this bustling, vibrant neighborhood. It was just like death and destruction and these people live in hell and da-da-da-da. Like, God, ah, it's so crazy. It kind of painted these communities as just lawless, just, you know... Free for alls, and these cops took advantage of a situation rather than painting them as like, oh, these are vibrant communities where people live that are going through hard times. And then you came in here and you just made it worse. It made it seem like this was already a hellhole and they just took advantage of it when they should have abstained. And I don't know if that sounds as bad when I say it out loud as it felt watching it. It felt like they didn't humanize the rest of the people in the story because I think that the people in the communities are just as important in this story as Michael Dowd, as those cops and as the drug dealers that they were working with. You know, there's more to it than that. Overall, I give this film five stars. After I just ranted about it, I would definitely give it five stars. This is one of my favorite documentaries of all time. This is almost Thin Blue Line level. I shouldn't even compare it. Thin Blue Line, great film by Errol Morris. If you have not seen it, I'll do an episode on it one day. It's classic, classic documentary, super dramatic police film. I feel like the seven, five wanted to be that, but didn't quite get there. And that's why they added those weird black and white shots towards the end. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but yes, definitely five stars. If you want to learn some New York history, if you want to learn something about the law, if you want to learn something kind of about drugs, this is definitely the documentary for you. I, I, this was my second time watching it to prep for this episode. So I am all for it. 100%. This is, you know, this is, this is some good viewing. If you want to be like, the world is messed up, but also that's interesting. This is definitely the documentary for you. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. And as I said before, I will see you on the next episode.